you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the League podcast has more holes than the Cowboys' defense. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. What's up, Dan? That was not a Chris Wessling, hey, Dan. We're a little annoyed. You're all the way across the room. I have to yell over there. Oh, yeah. TD, we we sat down last show in our new studio and said, this will be the seating order, and we'll get a photo out there. How we'll sit from now until the end of days. But within one show, TD's blowing the whole thing up. Wow. (laughs) TD, now you're seeing what it's like for me. I know. Bunch of prima donnas. Who cares where we sit? Mark, welcome back from San Diego, San Diego. You were sent to the Southern California city, the coastal city, to cover Cowboys Chargers. You met a man in a McDonald's restaurant to get your credential. You (laughs) sat in a press box. Was it Rob Ryan? (laughs) You sat in a press box like like a professional in that dump of a stadium. How was it? It was good. I learned very quickly that they hand out an inordinate amount of food. There was slices of pizza. There was boxes of popcorn. Um, there was pie. It was like peach cobbler pie, which I'm not, I've almost, I think I've ever eaten that, but I ate it last night. Very good. And did you, you know, you're a real reporter guy. Did any of the other real reporters ask you to sit at the lunch table? Uh, they gave us assigned seating, and the Chargers were nice enough to put me smack dab, like, Right in front of us is a desk. Right below is the field. Beautiful. Some guys were six rows up. I'm not sure what they saw. There wasn't like a scene though where you're carrying a tray and you're trying to like make eye contact with the cool reporters, but they're looking down because they're. "Eh." You said cool reporters. Well, I did uh, meet again Clarence Hill, a Cowboys reporter that Wes and I met at the combine and had quite a nice evening with. Yes, we did, Wes. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) I don't know what that means. 
I like to think that you maybe encountered a bully, maybe someone from the San Diego Union Tribune that, like, spilled your pizza on the floor and said, get out of here, dweeb. There were, like, two or three hundred reporters there, so it wasn't as if... <laughs> what? The, the, There's the, the Super Bowl? That's not true. I mean, it was, there, there were rows <laughs> and rows and rows of reporters. It wasn't. It was, like, every head turned when you walk in a dive bar in some weird town. By the way, the way that TD set this up, I cannot even see him right now. Yeah, you can. Usually we connect and we're able to make eye contact mm, subtly. That i got to turn my head 90 degrees. We're working out the kinks, guys. We're right. almost here. <laughs> I almost missed the icebox right now. One of the kinks you're working out is in Dan's neck now. Yeah, exactly. Hey, now. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, West on fire this morning. All right, so we got a great show today. Uh, we are going to have – we have a guest coming in. He is a uh, reporter, a writer analyst, I should say, for ProFootballFocus.com, a website that – Wes has what seems to be a uh, complicated relationship with. He is Pete Damalatis. Pete Damalatis. Of uh, PFF. So he's going to come on later. Uh, We are going to uh, stick with first night of uh, preseason action in earnest on Thursday. uh, Six games. And we're going to go through all those games. And we're going to do it, uh, you know, with a bit of mirth, as we're known for. And we've won awards for that. It's not just the football (laughs) Analysis in my mind, it's also the mirth. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Uh, but before that, how are you doing, TD? Other, other than some of the production issues, I'm very happy to see you today. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, I'm doing well, though. It's good times. Uh, I was glad to be back in last day of the week. Uh, myself, you, Dan, and Chris Westling shot some hoops earlier this week. Did? Some good run. You know, Chris Law of the Rich Eisen Podcast came out there. Good times, fun times. Chris Law of the Rich Eisen Podcast, I'll tell you what. Uh, as a fellow big man, banging with him down low, I was pretty sore afterwards. That is a large, powerful man. He's a he's a large body and sweaty sure. <laughs> and hairy. He seems athletic to me. He has a, he, he has, is. He can play. He has a special move that I call the snot jump shot because he's I was guarding him and first he wipes his snot off his nose and oh. then so I back up because I don't want any parts. <laughs> I like that. That's a smart <laughs> move. He just takes a jump shot. It's like what? He, it's really? we're describing him like he's like the bad guy in like a sports movie theme for kids in the early he's 90s. He's like the really rottens in the old cartoons. <laughs> um, all right. So how are you doing today? I was thinking that uh, – you know, most of the news we've talked about is about these games, so we're going to do a lot of talk of the preseason games. So how about this? Can we now do some news? Your team now. Your players now. Your NFL now. Oh. I that is a shameless plug right there, guys. Shadowy figures. Pat's TD on the head. NFL Now, our uh, our new format, our new platform, I should our say. Our new digital format yep. platform got launched a couple of days ago, and uh, it's here now, guys. Well, we know. We've been taping uh, hits for it for weeks on end. So at some point, you're going to be able to see Mark and Chris and Dan and myself all honking about the latest news of the day. It should I be fear, called NFL at some point. Yeah, I fear for people uh, <laughs> when they take a look at this. I think that I've, I was, I've already been plotting this how long to wait before we stage a Friends-style walkout over contract uh, once we get on <laughs> camera. I was thinking – uh, 12 months initially, one year, but now more thinking maybe three months. This sounds promising. Yeah. Well, I, it would need to happen right when the waters – here we are, we're doing our thing every day, and it seems like we've got these guys locked in till at least after draft before mm-hmm. we get down to talk mm-hmm. about the future. Just drop it. Thanksgiving weekend, we're unhappy. We want more. I had an old boss that once said, 
make yourself essential. Once we dig in to NFL now, they're going to have to pony up. And, Greg, you're going to lead the charge as the boss. No, no. (laughs) Chandler will lead the charge. (laughs) When I leave the studio each time when we tape the NFL, that now hits. That's what I think. That was essential. What we just did. <laughs> well, all right. All right. So what? let's start. Since we had a, a man in the field in San Diego, Mark Sessler will start with the Cowboys and Chargers, a game that uh, if you're a Cowboys fan and you're a little nervous about what that defense is going to do this season or not do, uh, you have some reason to be concerned. The Chargers had no problem moving the ball on the Cowboys and – the only real bright spot was Brandon Whedon, which tells us a lot. So, Mark, why don't you tell us a little, about, a little bit about what you saw uh, from both teams? I will let others chime in on aspects of the game. I, on the way home, I uh, got caught. The 405, which is a terrible highway that runs north-south in California, all five lanes shut down <laughs> for some two-exit-long construction problem. So I had to go on a like an 18-mile uh, circuit around up some strange road, got home around 2.30 in the morning, standstill traffic, came up with a list about what annoyed me most about what I saw on the field. Ooh. Mm. Ooh, I like this. I like this. Uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we hear it? Let's hear the list. You sure? I would like to hear it. I don't know about you fellas. I would love to hear it. It is, it is right. a 50, 50 words to describe the Dallas Cowboys defense that I saw <laughs> last night. I got, a, I got a good feeling about this. All right, let's hear it. Hang with me here. Here we go. Putrid, shipwrecked, dreaming in space, <laughs> mealy, mealy, dog bit, moist, <laughs> abyss, <laughs> Bieber like, rustic but not in a good way, cowed, <laughs> overly cute, unabashedly feminine, lost in a fog feminine. of incorrect thinking, control alt delete. <laughs> Wind damaged, <laughs> childlike, but not to suggest innocence or purity, an eternally open door, the oh, frightening man. laughter of the idiot, ultra oh. hazy, viciously below average, we're 20 in, a picture of societal <laughs> Wait, norms. we're 20 in out of how un- many? 50. A picture of societal norms unhinged on the gridiron. Wait, so that counts only for one word. Yes, it is terms. That's only one That's word. It is terms, terms or phrases. 20. Let me know when you get to 30. Two, Greg. Let me know when you get to 30. Distressing. A scorched meadow. A dystopian wasteland of the mind. A 400-year stay in Paramus, New Jersey. Every horrible horrible ex-girlfriend embodied in a loose 4-3 scheme. All right. Can we stop you there for a second? Yes. And then we're going to get back to the back end of the list. Because we need to digest the the front of that. No, that's fair. Very fair. I was expecting Marinelli. To be one of the words. Well, we're not done <laughs> no. yet. So, come by up. the way, so what were your thoughts on the defense? I can, I'm not sure what, where you were going with that. Everything San Diego tried <laughs> like to it? do. <laughs> everything San Diego tried to do, it did in spades. Phillip Rivers looked outstanding. Every running back they put out there is plowing for six, seven, eight, nine, twenty-two yards a carry. Well, Jason Garrett and Rod Marinelli, their quotes weren't quite as colorful as yours, but they were along the same lines. Garrett's quote after the game was, sometimes they did okay when asked about the defense. That's not really like a motto you want to print (laughs) up on your T-shirts. Cowboys defense, (laughs) 2014, sometimes they did okay. Depressing. 
And uh, Marinelli said we, we have to tackle better. I wouldn't be too worried. I mean, it was only the first week of the preseason. Well, I am, I am taking the liberty to completely overreact. And by the way, uh, I did mention him, Brandon Whedon, a bright spot. The, I already heard it downstairs, the way Rosenthal was talking. Uh, people are thinking about getting back on the bandwagon that I'm, I've been on the whole time. I'm seated, I'm seated there. There's plenty of space. Tell us about Brandon Whedon, how well, he looked. I, I don't think anyone – if you put him in there as a 16-game starter with that defense – that is going to be mega ugly. Well, we're but not saying that. I think he, I, he to me, looked like he had grown from where he was in Cleveland based on one game last night against an also not great defense. But, again, if he played a lot better last night, he would have been almost as good as he was last year in the preseason. He was no, well, that's, that's, we all know he blew up last August. The yeah, guy, I mean, this is right. what he does. That, we're not saying more than that, but he, but he made some throws – he got hit on his touchdown throw hard. I didn't see him do that. I think the perception much. of Brandon Whedon is actually wor- he, that he's a worse player than he really was. If you lined up his rookie starts against all the rookie starts of rookie quarterbacks over the last 10 or 15 years, drafting the first couple rounds, he'd be pretty close to Because he was 30 years old. That, that, that is a big factor. And I'm he, just saying he, he could have a career as a backup for the next four or five he years. He could be a backup. That's TD, all we're saying. TD, you had uh, what was called a hot take on the issue of the Cowboys. Not really an issue. It's today a tweet from Des Bryant, actually, in, mm. in trying to prop himself up. And Michael Irvin, he tweets out, Hey, Dallas Cowboys Nation, today is 8 and 8, August 8th. Who's going to do something great at Michael Irvin? Hashtag 88. I mean, come on. You just love it. This is this this is like a softball right here. This is an alley oop. You know, you're just walking right into that one. 8 and 8, really? 8 and 8 would be a good season for <laughs> them. Know? Come yeah, on, Dad. Look, there's a lot of problems with the team. Dallas Cowboys, but one of them is not Des Bryant. <laughs> well, no. fair enough. That tweet, though, is uh, could use some work. And it's not Come their on, offensive player. line. <laughs> what's, that, what's up with that? Their <laughs> offensive line is is excellent. Yeah, and I'll save the Cowboys fans the trouble of tweeting at us. We know five starters were out last night. All right, relax. Just then. don't tweet us anyway because, well, go ahead. I, I feel like blocking people today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and wow. By the way, I guess I should say, not that it really matters, but the Chargers won that game 27-7. to Took care of business. 395 yards. Um, moving forward, the New York Jets opened their preseason schedule against the Indianapolis Colts at MetLife Stadium. The big story, of course, is the quarterback position in New York where Michael Vick, I would say, did outplay Geno Smith. He got some series with the starters. Uh, he led the Jets on their only touchdown drive. He had a pretty... 15-yard scramble on a third and nine uh, that kept that scoring drive alive. Uh, got the crowd going at MetLife Stadium and showed that he still can move, even at age 34. So, and I will tell you this, Geno Smith did not do anything to lose the job. Um, he led the team on a field goal drive, didn't have any meltdowns, no turnovers. Uh, but Vic keeps things interesting, and it, and it lets you, it makes you think what happens if he continues to play well next week. Is it possible he could steal this job? Not before week one. There's no, nothing Geno Smith is going to do that could lose a job. Barring I think, injury. This month. Yeah. Oh, really? I don't think so. I don't oh, I think it. there is. Yeah, I, I He could have an epic face plant. That's what it has to be, though. Right. It has to be an epic hey, Mike, face hey, plant by the way, by Mike Vick threw for 19 yards. I saw the New York Post cover. It's like, Vic is putting on the pressure. Well, it's Vic time. <clears throat> they had two but that's series. that's the problem. Right. This is what we've been saying all along. Even if you go into the season with Geno, it's, it's, it's almost a nightmare scenario that he's going to be looking over his shoulder and the fans are going to be clamoring. The yeah. papers are going to be clamoring it's tough. for Vic. It's tough. But, I agree. But this is New do. York, by the way. And you're a starting quarterback in New York. And if you're, gonna, if you're tough enough to handle that, then you deserve to keep the job. Geno is up against it, but... 
If I you don't can think make that's it there, unfair to him. That's the one the play, yeah. Michael Vick made exactly one play in the game, and it was a play that defines why his career has been a disappointment. He should have gone down. He, he starts. It was a 15-yard run where he showed off some wheels, but at the very end, he was about to get tackled, and he cut back to the inside. And in the regular season, you're going to get popped on that play, and then you're out. I mean, that's that's been Michael Vick. You know, had the Jets gone out and. Uh, stolen Matt Hassel back away from the Colts and had him as the mentor, the older guy. Stolen? You have to steal Matt Hassel back? I don't know. He's a possession of the Colts. But <laughs> the problem is, and this is you know, what Wes and I have been talking about all offseason, is you, you're going to put Geno Smith out there. It's nice you want to believe in your young quarterback. But they have a closed-minded approach to this quarterback battle right now. He's going to start week one no matter what happens between now and then. That's an issue. That's not how to run a football I team. I thought you just opinion. said that the job was still open this summer. I think it should be. I don't think it will be because I think they're going to do something dunderheaded and start Smith no matter what. But with a guy like Michael Vick in the New York fan base, that is a bad concoction for chaos. I see. I don't don't quite get where you're going with this because on one hand you're saying that the Jets are dunderheaded not to start Vick. But on the other hand, like we're no, seeing, no, to not have an, not to say, listen, if Vick outplays Geno Smith, do you think Smith will still start Week One? That's my concern. What if? Yeah, but what if it's kind of what if? The odds Gino are there won't be a plan. huge difference between the two. That's the reality. The odds are that what is they'll both be okay. What is perception coming out of last night to the average Jets fan? Yeah, but we're talking reality. If they watched the game, well, they would not take what, it. Reality Rex is that, Ryan called him a huge, huge issue to deal with for defenses, and he said he played great. I but mean, he also what, said what that about Ryan he, he said that about Geno Smith, in fairness, too. He said he thought Geno played exceptional, which is funny you because if, all he did was hand off. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Rex Ryan and, and John Idzik are on different pages. That's here. what I think is yeah, happening. That, that's fair. Um, Rex Ryan had to defend against guys like Michael Vick his whole career. I, I think this is all secondary. The biggest takeaway for me in this game was Chris Ivory got hurt in four plays. He, he, he always gets hurt. It's he hurt his, his move. Hurt. He's going to use it. Right, but that's a problem for them. That's, a, that's Chris, a big Chris Johnson did not look uh, did not look great. And then on the Colts' side, uh, they had uh, injury issues. You know, they already lost a uh, their guard, their starting guard, to a season-ending Quad injury, that's Donald Thomas, and now they have their center, Khalid Holmes, suffered a ankle injury that uh, he's getting an MRI on it Friday, so you don't know how serious that is. Uh, they had another rookie tackle, Ulrich John, go down as, all, as well as with a leg injury. So that offensive line, which has been an issue, uh, you have to be a little concerned if you're a Colts fan about that. But it, I, it didn't stop Daniel Boom Heron. Scoring, <laughs> scoring a touchdown. I'd be more concerned if I was a Colts fan that Trent Richardson of 2014 looks exactly like Trent Richardson of 2013. <laughs> Not a lot of sunshine coming out of this game. Of a lot of, it was a little early. I don't know if it's I It's only five carries, but that's a slow running back. That's fair. Moving on. Greg, you mentioned Dan Boom Heron, uh, the Colts running back, scored a touchdown on Thursday night against the Jets. That led to an old teammate of... Heron, Chris Rainey, who was released under mysterious circumstances for breaking a team rule. He tweeted from his couch watching the game, nice TD, boom, even though you was in the hallway with me that night when he was horsing around with the fire extinguisher, man up like I did. <laughs> fire extinguisher, folks, we have a, we have a, a reason behind this. And there was, a, there was another tweet, right? He deleted them both quickly. Because he's a, he's a smart guy. And then he, he also said, he's yeah. He's a very smart guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm pissed watching the Colts game when I should be out there too, even though I didn't break no effing team rules, not even. <laughs> so Chris Rainey, uh, apparently something happened with a fire extinguisher. Boom Heron potentially had something to do with that. That's probably the straw that broke 
the camel's back. I'm sure Rainey did other things to annoy the Colts organization, but uh, putting Heron on blast. You called him a smart man? Oh, he got that tweet right out of it. No, yeah, he just, that was uh, there was some sarcasm. There. Yeah, he just blasted the only organization in the NFL willing to give him like a four shot. Probably not a, a good idea. Mark. I, I sense a little bit of injustice here, and I'm going to go from the other angle. It sounds like there was some malarkey, and uh, we've got you know you've got Rainey sitting home on his couch because a friend of his wouldn't own up to some uh, shenanigans in a hotel hallway. But you have so, some sort of history with. Fire extinguishers. Well, I, I, yes, we, Greg and I will not go down a long road with this, but in college, I'd like to. in the middle of the night, this is why this hits me because in the middle of the night, <laughs> I was with a couple of friends in our dorm. All right, we're on the fourth floor of a dorm throwing a Nerf football around, Uh-oh. and you know, one of those little sprinklers in the ceiling, pop one of those things, and it sets off water pipes all along the hallway <laughs> and these felt ceiling tiles just melt into glue over the next two hours. It floods the entire building and costs thousands <laughs> of dollars of damage. The, everyone's evacuated for three hours outside. No one caught us. And we decided as a trio, we got to own up to this. Mm, such a, uh, you know what? We got to own bad, up to bad, this. Bad, bad no, decision. And because unlike, we did. Unlike Boom Heron. And because I've we seen did, this after school special. You can say it's dumb, but they removed they, – they held us accountable for nothing because we were honest. Well, you were lucky. You also had been held <laughs> accountable for nothing if you didn't admit to it. How about the one guy <laughs> no, who didn't admit I There's always that. video for things like that. There's always – you're going to get not caught. Not in 1988 Someone, whenever some, this happened. This was not 1988. <laughs> it, listen, I just think Rainey is sitting home because his friend wouldn't hold, stand up Well, that's a him. great point. They probably did check the video. There are videos. And you know why? Because – you know, Heron's not a pain in the butt, and he's better at football. So they're like, well, oh, that we'll, we'll goes keep, a long way. We'll Rainey's sitting at home because of the other 37 knucklehead decisions he made over That's the last few years. also very fair. There's a, there's a scene in the, in the Christmas story, the classic movie, when uh, Flick gets his tongue caught on the flagpole, and then uh, the teacher comes back after the fire department takes Flick off the pole, and they're like, whoever was involved with this has to own up and come forward. And then Peter Billingsley's character, Ralphie, says – um, you know, kids, we know better. You never own up to anything because you're going to get busted if you do. Well, I wasn't a kid, Dan. I was a man. <laughs> that was the day you became a man. By the way, I do want to ask the question that all of our listeners have been thinking for the last 10 minutes. We are going to get to hear the end of Mark Sessler's list of adjectives about the Cowboys oh, yes. eventually, right? That's a, that's At the end tease. of the show. End right. of the show. Okay. I always leave them Great. wanting more. I'm just making sure. I want to know for my own. I've been on the edge of my seat. That Me was, too. That was a Jets 13-10 win. <laughs> Thank you for putting these pre- preseason the way, scores out there, Dan. Uh, a late field goal by an uh, unknown kicker whose name I cannot recall at this time. Fernie. Fernie. Right through the uprights Jets and away we go. Jets 1-0. Almost there to the Dan, game. Dan, tell the listeners what you proposed last night. Oh. Fernie for Mallet. Straight up. Who says no? Who says no? And that leads us into our next game. <laughs> Greg, watch this game with a I'll, glum I'll do look. it. With a glum look on his face. <laughs> the New England Patriots open their preseason schedule against the Washington Redskins, where Ryan Mallett, in what Greg wrote, was called Operation Showcase Ryan Mallett, uh, off to a very slow start, uh, did not look comfortable in the pocket, went 5 of 12 in, in action, did not get a point on offense, did not lead the offense anywhere. So things kind of backfired there. So if the, Col- if the Patriots thought that Ryan Mallett could be showcased for a deal, 
It blew up in their face, Greg. Right in their face. I don't think anyone wanted to trade for Ryan Mallett before this game. I don't think they'll want to at the end of the preseason because he has never been good in the preseason. He's never comfortable. He's never accurate. This was a particularly bad performance, 45 yards and no points in an entire half. But he never feels looks like a natural quarterback. And, I, and that's bad news. I had the same reaction. He doesn't look like a natural quarterback. If you watched his counterpart, Kirk Cousins, had a much better handle on what was going on. If you turn on the Chiefs game, Chase Daniel has a much better handle on how to play quarterback than Ryan Mallett does. Of course, the Patriots started guys that have no chance to make the team were in their starting lineup. It's ridiculous that people have to pay full price for a preseason game to watch that nonsense. But I'm going to spin it positive, Dan. Because as a Jets fan, you had to be a little worried watching the second half of this game and realizing that the Brady to Garoppolo transition is going to be like Favre to Aaron Rodgers, and you can just keep them on top of the AFC East for 25 years. I, I can't wait to, see, can't say, wait to see the Patriots turn against uh, Tom Brady like the Packers did with Favre. Mm. No, we'll never do that, but oh. I'm just saying the guy is there. The future MVP is in he the club. He threw a nice touchdown pass at the end of the game, <laughs> but I am not worried because you don't you don't get lucky, Greg, all the time. An organization is lucky to get a Tom Brady once every 50 years. What about the Colts? Well, that's, that that's what outlier. I was thinking, too. <laughs> you're not the Colts. Just After the this, AFC's two best teams. You're going back to the Patriots that you were for years and years, and the AFC's will be wide open again. All jokes aside, Garoppolo has reportedly had a poor training camp in practice, yep. but he looked – he had a – Almost a perfect half of football. It wasn't just one throw. He had three or four great deep passes. He could have had another long touchdown if they had challenged a play. He had as good a half as he could against third and fourth teamers. That's yeah, all. we should note That's that it. it was against people that yeah. would be you know working for UPS yep. and like Shoprite. I understand. Four weeks from now, but. By the way, Mark, does it bother you at all, or does it make you happy at all that maybe the quarterbacks that played the best, the two best quarterbacks on the field Thursday night, Colt McCoy and Brandon Whedon? Colt McCoy, 8 for 9, 102 yards. I would not put weed in, in that category, but Colt McCoy sizzled. And you know what? I'm, I'm all for Colt McCoy keeping a job in the NFL. He's going to make that team. He's going to make the team. Will they keep three quarterbacks? Yeah, it, it reportedly has had a really good camp, and I think they like that he adds a little veteran. Even though he's not much older than the other two guys, they, he's just a good guy to have around. Can't you see him being a future coach? Like, he's that... Coach, like yeah, I could see him being Texas's coach. It also helps your own son's legacy if the guy that he was named after makes it to your son's kindergarten year. <laughs> yeah, that would help. And uh, Simona is a Niners fan, and so she was sad to see Colt McCoy off that they roster. Could use they could use him. But uh, she actually captured an image of our son Colt watching Colt McCoy on television, which Last was night? a perfect marriage <laughs> of reason and result. And by the way, that final score was Washington Redskins 23. <laughs> New England Patriots, six. Sessler's boy, Lake Seastrunk, looked great in that game, by the way. Rookie sleeper. I will need to watch that because uh, I don't know if this happened to you, but Game Rewind or Game Pass where I was was not functioning too well last night. A little bit off the rails. I believe the product is excellent. And if there were any technical issues, I'm sure it'll be taken care of immediately. I, assume. I for NFL. one, adore wow, Game Pass. A lollipop <laughs> right. just oh, fine. dropped from the sky. It's all the on the Wi-Fi connection at the Chargers. Oh, wait, they work. we work for them, too. <laughs> the NFL. How do we get out of this jam? And all its properties are infallible. All gonna... I do is win, win, win. No <laughs> lollipop, lollipop, lollipop. All right, moving forward. Hey, rematch, folks, of the Super Bowl. Last night, the Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks. 
squared off at Mile High Stadium in a game that felt like it would never end. There were 25 penalties in the game. There was a lightning delay. Uh, what we did see in terms of takeaways, watch the game. DeMarcus Ware looks very, very healthy and very effective. And he got to the quarterback, sacked Russell Wilson, blew up a play in the backfield, uh, got some hurries. He looked like the guy he was in Dallas when his arms and his legs weren't bothering him. So that's something very positive for Denver. Um, And the Broncos also had a little bit more running back issues. I know they lost Monte Ball to an appendectomy last week. Uh, C.J. Anderson, who's fighting to get a role ahead of Ronnie Hillman, suffered a concussion. Uh, So he, we don't know how long he'll be out. But uh, those are the two big takeaways for me. Where's huge. He ran down Russell Wilson on one play and forced him to throw the ball away. I mean, he was on pace for about the best best game ever. Two hurries, a sack, a stuff at the line of scrimmage. And that's what the preseason can be for. Okay, this veteran is back healthy again. Okay, this rookie quarterback looks okay. You, you can take that away. Yeah, and teams like this operating at this high level – you know, one of the biggest subplots that any, any of the starters get injured. No, everybody got out of it healthy. Manning and Russell Wilson both read, led touchdown drives. Uh, one kind of funny note was right when the lightning delay hit and the Broncos had gone up 7 nothing. the local Denver announcer uh, had this quote that I had to tweet out, and I'll read it to you guys now. As dominated as the Broncos were in the Super Bowl, they're returning the favor right now. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> By the way, the score Revenge. was... Revenge. Oh. It was 7 nothing at the time that yeah. he said that. I, did. And, I wish uh, you weren't a liar. And then the, the Broncos... Such an anchorman move. <laughs> the Broncos went on to win 21-16, so I guess... You know, they got revenge. It's even. February 2nd, yeah. 2014, never happened. All ills wiped away. That wasn't the only Super Bowl rematch last night. Ooh, you're right. Great transition, Wes. Wes, I'm really proud of you there. The Baltimore Ravens and San Francisco 49ers also played. This is a game that Chris Wessling watched, so that explains why he was so on point there, especially with the transition. And I ask you, Chris Wessling, what was your takeaway? I'm very curious about the Ray Rice Bernard Pierce dynamic. We've heard both guys look good. Ray Rice maybe got his burst back. Is that true? The uh, first team offense was only on the field for one drive with Flacco, and they looked better than I can remember them looking in a long time. I think the Kubiak offense suits Flacco well. Ray Rice had burst. He looked closer to 2012 Ray Rice than Mm. 2013. Uh, But with splitting snaps throughout the first drive with Bernard Pierce, who got the goal line love, uh, they both look good. You know what might suit this offense and Gary Kubiak well? Being a coordinator. Like, it just hit me, like, maybe he's Norv Turner. Maybe he's Wade Phillips, a guy that's one of the very best coordinators in the league. Haven't you always thought that? Yeah. Yeah. Wes, are you confident that the snowsuit is off Ray Rice? I, I am. I thought he – whereas Trent Richardson looked exactly like last year, Ray Rice did not look I, – I thought he looked streamlined. Did uh, Steve Smith play? Steve Smith did and looks taller in a Ravens uniform. Taller? <laughs> yes. Hashtag analysis. I like that. What does that even mean? I Just telling you what I saw. Maybe he is. Maybe I hate to go all Greg Cosell with you here, but all I do – you guys know what I do. All I do is watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> and on the other side of the other backfield here, uh, Carlos Hyde did some things. He looked good. Uh, it's hard to separate him from the blocking, which was excellent. Bruce Miller had a fantastic block that got him to the edge. Stevie Johnson had a really good block. But he looked good. And I thought watching Jeremy Hill for the Bengals and watching Hyde for the 49ers, Bengals fans at some point this season are going to be wondering why they didn't take Carlos Hyde. Ooh. It is a good sign for him in terms of vision and just, you know, 
understanding the play that he is following the correct blocking. We don't always see, you know, as watching some Browns games last year, I could tell you that's not always the case. Yeah. Wes, is Blaine Gabbert in the NFL on September 1st? That's a, that's a good question. I would say he'll still be mm. in the NFL because they don't really have another option and because I would think that Harbaugh's the stubborn type who thinks he can turn him around. Why? What happened yesterday? He looked like probably worse than he looked in Jaguars uniform. Wow. He, he set a new standard for the Gabbert zone, which for new listeners is, you know, a yards per attempt average somewhere in the fives generally. His yards per attempt yesterday was 1.7. Yikes. Finally. With, with a big interception. That's Spurgeon win zone. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, the Kansas City Chiefs and Cincinnati Bengals offense. If you like offense, you should have been there. Uh, Andy Dalton, a 53-yard bomb to A.J. Green in his only series. Uh, the Chiefs, tra- Travis Kelsey, really uh, made a play that turned heads. Caught a ball, ran 69 yards for a touchdown, basically outran everyone. That was an interesting look. Not a lot of defense played here, Greg, huh? Well, when Jason Campbell was in the game, the defense perked right up for the <laughs> for the Chiefs. I mean, Campbell packed more into two quarters than you could possibly want. He had two touchdown passes. He had two passes that were returned for touchdowns, and he was injured. This guy moves the needle. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's why we're diving deep in the camel. You saw what happened when he doesn't check down. Pick sixes. They don't have a quarterback right now if he's hurt because uh, A.J. McCarron hasn't been able to practice either. Backup quarterback, that is. How about Black Mamba making a play? Who's Black Mamba? Oh, yeah, DeAnthony Anthony Th- Thomas. Come on. Snoop Dogg <laughs> gave him the name before Kobe got it. DeAnthony had it in Pop Warrable. DeAnthony Thomas has reportedly had a great camp, and people, everyone says he's too small for the NFL. He bounced off tacklers last night on his way to a long punt return touchdown. Between that and Travis Kelsey, those were the two most explosive plays of the entire night in the NFL. Uh, Greg and I, we hate to uh, throw any shade on Roto World, but come on, you can't write off DeAnthony Thomas before his career ever started. He looked like the NFL game was not too fast for him. No, and not too big for. I, I love the fact that he kind of got out of a jam. I mean, that stuck out to me that he could be a, a fun factor on special teams. And Travis get, Kelsey, one of the fastest tight ends in the NFL. I have never seen a tight end run like he did on his. Touchdown. That's what you said for Ladarius Green last year. Well, those. Well, two. they keep getting faster. Apparently, <laughs> none of them are faster than Vernon Davis. Two hundred, <laughs> two hundred and sixty pounds, and it was just. Pew! Yeah, he's fast. Hey, TD, I know um, you've been called Young Kobe during your childhood as a basketball player. Young Kobe nickname precedes both Black Mamba nicknames. <laughs> Did you ever have any reptilian-type nicknames? No, well? no. See, Kobe nicknamed himself. That's not That's, that's not allowed. That's not, allow- that's not allowed at all. That's so Kobe. All right, so th- those are the games. Was, oh, that, the final score there was 41 to 39. Oh, you got to Folks, get that score on that Shootout season. in Cincinnati, or was it? It was in Kansas City. <laughs> it was in Kansas City. All right, we're rolling. And Shootout. Oh, and oh, by the way, Eric Fisher was the number one draft pick last year. I know we're trying to move on, but that's been an un- overlooked story. The number one pick in the whole draft, moving to left tackle. He immediately got beat for a strip sack, lost the ball. That was the worst draft ever. Yes. It we'll was. remember that draft is the most boring, mundane draft with the least amount of impact players, at least in the early first round. All right, gentlemen. So as we spoke about earlier, we have a guest. On the line, he is a writer and analyst for the website ProFootballFocus.com, a site that proudly claims its stats and analysis are, quote, beyond compare. Mm. Here's a writer and analyst, Pete Damalatis. What's up, Pete? Welcome to the Round League Podcast. 
Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, I've, uh, I'm a little ashamed to say this, but uh, I actually uh, hadn't started listening to your guys' podcast until I think it was back in May around the time where uh, Sessler was um, freaking out about drafting Johnny Manziel. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> since then, honestly, uh, you guys have kind of uh, flown up my boards and uh, you're, you're Ow, a must listen ooh, to me. So I, like I haven't, I haven't missed uh, an episode since. Savvy way to start and, an interview. Yes, and, and, <laughs> and Pete, you know... Uh, as a listener, that we all uh, use your website a lot when we do our posts and just doing research of the game. Uh, Chris Wessling, uh, however, a man famous for his PFF qualifier statements. I'll give an example. Now, I don't take this as gospel, but PFF says Brandon Marshall is the best blocking wide receiver in football. (laughs) So Chris Wessling, a man that has had some issues at times with the metrics, Pete Wess. Uh, Pete, Pete is one of my favorite followers on Twitter, a good guy. By the way, Pete's uh, Twitter handle, at PFF underscore Pete. Uh, I think I, – I believe every adult should think for themselves and not take anything as gospel. That's why I always give the qualifier. And it's clear that NFL teams don't always see players the same way PFF does. So that's one of the things that I always want to prepare people for. Uh, but without a doubt, one of the most valuable services out there is provided by PFF – I think I'd probably cite their material as much as any writer out there over the past few years. So I appreciate things like run-after-catch ability, which they highlight, or quarterback pressures. You don't get this stuff anywhere else, and their signature, signature stats are, are great too. So what, so what are your issues then? Uh, well, I would just like to ask Pete how he sleeps at night with Ben Hartsock as his number one ranked tight end. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think if you look at it, you'll see that uh, Ben Hartsock is – is our number one one number one ranked blocking tight end. So and that actually, I, I, you know, no, he's number one on your above some yeah. of the other guys. He's who, number one in your overall grades for tight ends. It, for this t- is true. This is true because you know we, we we take blocking into account and and Ben was was really great at that last season. So um, you know we uh, yeah and uh, West to your point, um, I think that you know you don't take PFF grades as gospel. I don't think anyone should take. PFF grades as gospel, and I think uh, our our analysts themselves. I don't take PFF grades as gospel. You know, I don't I don't you know evaluate a player by saying, okay, well, this guy was second in our grades, this guy was third, so this guy is clearly better than you know player A is better than player B, and and you know I, I think you kind of have to put them in context. So I think the PFF grades are a data point, and I think they're a tremendously important one because I see all the work that goes into it, and and. All the uh, all the analysis and man hours that we put into coming up with those grades, um, but I think even even the people behind the scenes who are coming up with those grades themselves and giving them out wouldn't say that you know looking at a guy's PFF grade says you know is is the end all be all. What, um, now do, for a guy you know like, like a Ben Hartsock, you know it's a, I think that speaks to to one thing that makes us a unique site is that we're looking at things that go beyond um, just your your surface stats. So we're looking at blocking, we're looking at quarterback pressures um, for defensive ends and also you know, the offensive linemen who are who are trying to block them, and we're even we're even timing those those pass rushes to to tell you you know how how great that was was it the sack a you know, a, a sack where the defensive end blew up the offensive tackle, or was it a kind of a clean-up, muddy sack where, where the quarterback just ran into his arms? So, I mean, yeah, I think you, you can see some of the grades on our site and, and all the work that goes into it, and, and that's why you get some things that, like Ben Hartsock being the number one ranked tight end, but really, if, if you look, drill down into it, he's, he's by far the best blocking tight end of the league last season, but you know, not, not so great as a receiver. Right, so just out of curiosity... That's all very well explained, but when you see something like Ben Hartsock is your number one ranked tight end when he didn't catch a pass, 
and played about one-fourth of the snaps of Jimmy Graham. Why are you guys not going back to the drawing board and saying maybe we should uh, not count blocking as important because blocking tight ends aren't even drafted in the first five rounds in the NFL? Well, I think it's because when you, when you look at the grades, that you know we're trying to evaluate performance, and, and we're in many times, you know, in, in many instances, we're giving out the grades as if they're if they're any other player on that on the team. So you know, if he's trying to make a block and he, he you know does a good block, it's kind of the same thing as if a, as, as if an offensive guard is trying to trying to do the same type of block. Now the difference is that we normalize it across the different positions. So you know, that's how you get some some instances where where a you know a, a one good block for a tight end might matter you know a little bit more than a than a block for a, a guard who's kind of you know out there blocking for you know 60 70 snaps a game so um, you know I, I think I think there are differences and, and you know, I, I I see your point Wes you know I I'd say that you know if we go back and we look at it um, you know maybe maybe the we shouldn't have blocking grades maybe as high, but you know it, those are grades. We stand by them, and, and to be honest, you know that's why we say we don't take it as gospel either. So you kind of have to take everything into context. And I don't think you would, even though Ben Hartsock is our number one grade tight end. I don't think anyone on the PFF team would tell you that Ben Hartsock was the best tight end in the league last year. We're talking with Pete Damaletis of ProFootballFocus.com. Pete. When you look at the numbers, because the way you guys study the game is different than a lot of other people, I'm just curious. Last season, was there a player? that, according to your data, completely transformed himself from an average guy to a star player or maybe the other way around? Is there someone that really, when you studied the data, really kind of jumped out at you one way or the other? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, there, there are a couple of those younger players who have been in the league for a couple of seasons that took major leaps last year. I mean, at the top of that list is, is Robert Quinn. Uh, he went from, you know, in the past he, he'd put up some good numbers and good grades by us, but we saw a tendency of him to, to beat up on on easier competition, specifically when he was playing teams like the Cardinals, who you know, kind of can have a, a, a bit of a offensive line, um, some offensive line issues. Robert Quinn would just rack up stats against them, but then against tougher competition, he would sort of get shut down. Uh, last year, he, he took a major leap, and he was dominating, um, you know, very good competition on a consistent basis, and he was actually our, our number two defensive uh, player in the league, you know, he would have been a uh, you know one our defensive player of the year award if it wasn't for the greatness of J.J. Watt. Um, so he's a guy who who made leaps and bounds. I look at another guy like a like a Cameron Jordan, who you know in the past had had sort of the same thing that you know he had flashed some talent, but you know former first round pick, but he hadn't kind of put it together. And last year we really saw him do that, where he you know he he put everything together. He was a force on the interior. And it's kind of great to see. I think it's also a bit of a league wide trend when you see guys like. J.J. Watt and Geno Atkins and um, Cameron Jordan, who guys who are kind of bringing that pressure from the interior. Uh, guys like Gerald McCoy as well, who took another leap last season. He was, you know, we did our PFF um, Top 101 for 2013. He was our fourth graded player. So it's nice to see that, you know, the game changing going towards the past. You're seeing a lot of interior rushers disrupting offenses in, in a way that we haven't seen in the past. How about somebody that went the other way? Someone that went the other way. I mean, you look at you look at some veterans um, who. And I, I, one guy that comes to mind is Nike Taylor, who you know for years the Steelers had him as a, you know, as a, a sort of a, a island cornerback where they asked him to do a lot of man and follow the number one receiver around the the field, um, and, and he did pretty well in that role. And he never even got the the highest PFF grades, but that's again another instance where you have to put our grades into context because his uh, job was a lot harder than than someone who just had to, you know, would line up on one side of the field in zone coverage. 
Um, but last year, he kind of took a, a big step back. Um, he, by, towards the middle of the season, they weren't even having him shadow receivers anymore. Um, he had one of our worst grades as a cornerback. So he's a guy that, that kind of jumps to the top of my head as, as a guy who took a major step back. So, um, you know, and, and of course, you have your obvious candidates like, like an Eli Manning, who was consistently a top 10 quarterback in our grading year after year. And last season, the wheels came off the offense. Uh, he didn't have any chemistry with his receivers, and, and we all know how that went. I think we'd agree with you there. With, um, when it comes to the process, let's say, you know, last night the Jets played the Colts, and they say, Pete, go uh, break down this game, grade it. I mean, nuts and bolts, how do you – what's the process for you to do that? So we have uh, – so this is why I, why I have a lot of trust in, in pro football focus in our system. It's because we have so much, we put so much work into it and we have such a, a fleshed out process. So we'll have a couple guys who are doing what you call player participation, where you're looking through and you're marking where every player is on every play and, you know, who's blitzing, who's lining up, you know, inside the tackles, outside the tackles, uh, what receivers are in the slot, who's up on the line of scrimmage, um, stuff like that. Um, and, and you're marking all that, and that helps us normalize those grades at the end of the game because it makes a difference if a guy has a sack when he's only in the game for five snaps rather than he has one sack and he was in the game for 70. Um, and, and then we have another couple analysts who do the actual grading. So they're going through and they're looking at, um, they're looking at you know, what's exactly happening on the play, what was supposed to happen um, if a running back had stopped for a loss. Um, was it because you know he took a bad angle, the hole was there, and he kind of bounced it to the outside for some reason? Um, you know, like a, like say maybe a, a Trent Richardson or Chris Johnson tended to do last year, or um, you know if if it was a blown block by a guy. And and to be honest, uh, for the most part, most players on a on a, sp- a specific play don't even get a grade because you know they 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 held the block well or you know they got a piece of defender they didn't like shove him back and and open up a wide hole but they didn't get pushed back either and it's sort of you know okay that's a that's a null null but you know that you'll only have you know a a couple a handful of guys that get graded on every play um but then you know we we are going through we're inputting that information into our database and at the end of the game you have a grade and it's it's kind of shocking how and the reason I like it is I I like to call it almost um quantified quantified scouting because if you can go through a game and you can see a guy who has a sack and a tackle for loss and you're saying oh wow he had a good game and then you see the grade at the end of the game you're like actually you know it's kind of average because you know i forgot that he kind of didn't hold the edge on that one play and he got pushed back and then he missed that other tackle and then after all you know once you add everything up you see that you know his, his grade was kind of not as great as you expected or sometimes a lot better than you expected Ryan Tannehill ranked last year in Pro Football Focus's rankings ahead of Tom Brady, ahead of Aaron Rodgers, way ahead of Andrew Luck. What what did you think people saw on a game to game basis that would put Ryan Tannehill in the top five quarterbacks in the league? Um, I think Tannehill. Um, I think that honestly, he he Which did a good crazy. job. I, I like his immediate accuracy. Um, his deep ball. You know, he had a he had some deep ball issues that I think that that are well documented. He tended to hold on to the ball a little too long. Uh, I think the the Miami offensive line got got a lot of heat for the amount of sacks they gave up, but some of it was Tannehill's fault as well. Um, but you know, I think that he did a pretty good job uh, on his accuracy, and also in general, you know, I don't think that his his mistakes were grossly more than a lot of other quarterbacks out there and it's funny to see you know interception numbers and then to see kind of our grades because you see a guy like Andrew Luck who has a little bit of a worse PFF grade last year than Matt Stafford and Ryan Tannehill 
And you kind of look back at they actually kind of all, we chart throws by, you know, we will give negative grades for throws. And you've got a really bad grade if you have throw an interception, like a wildly erratic interception or a pass that goes nowhere near the receiver. And Andrew Luck had just as many of those as, as Ryan Tannehill and Matt Stafford did last year. But for one reason or another, you know, we saw a good amount of dropped interceptions from Andrew Luck that he got away with. You'll see, you'll see you know, some, the stats kind of don't even out. So even though our grades are a little bit higher on one guy over another, you might, you know, that's, I think, what makes people a little bit shocked by everything because you'll see, oh, Ryan Tannehill and Matt Stafford had so many interceptions. Um, but sometimes it was just unlucky plays as well on their part. Yeah, that Tannehill grade is just crazy. Um, so I guess knowing that the Tannehill grade is crazy, <laughs> and I know you guys grade like Pete's like, why am I on the show right now? Well, it's just it's it's, it's gibberish. It's well, nonsensical. It's it weird because it's the way you were crazy. explaining it, it, this level says that Tannehill played at an MVP level. So I would sort of expect PFF to have a big push. Like Tannehill is an Aaron Rodgers level guy. I don't know. No, I, no I, I, guess, I guess the thing with Tannehill is I don't think that he should get the flack that he does where the, the coaches are almost you know, calling him out in the offseason saying, well, this is you know, put-up-or-shut-up time. And that's what, I think that's the general sense that, that people have around Tannehill right now. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think that he's, uh, he's developed in his couple of years. I think he's shown a, a pretty good amount of skill. Um, and I think there's a lot to build on there. So, and, and frankly, I, I think Andrew Luck had the better season, if you ask me, last year, just because of well, that's, you know, that's some of the weapons around him. I, I think he, he didn't have as many as much to work with as, as Ryan Tannehill did, and I didn't think his offensive line was nearly as good. Um, but honestly, I, I think that you know, Tannehill doesn't deserve a lot of the criticism that he gets. Um, so so I, what I was going to ask was I, I feel like I, I learned that you guys give like a plus two or a minus two, the people who do the grading on, on each play. Mm-hmm. Um, what, quali- what are the qualifications for the person doing this analysis? What qualifies them to do that job? So a lot of it's just, you know, the, uh, we just have a very stringent, um, we have a very stringent application and training process. Um, so, so we have guys who have been doing grading for a few years, but, you know, to get to that level, you have to do player participation for a season, a couple seasons. Um, grading, you know, we'll, you'll, you'll spend the entire offseason going through games, game after game, putting in grades till you get both the accuracy and, and the, the efficiency to, to have a game graded you know, by the next day um, you know, for when, when the teams that use us need our grades by. Um, so you know, we'll basically, you know, the, the qualifications, you know, we don't have former coaches, we don't have former defensive coordinators or anything doing our grades, but you know, we have a lot of knowledgeable guys out here, um, you know, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Munson. You know, I'd put their football acumen up with, with anyone out there. Um, and and I think that, you know, going through, we have this a stringent enough process and a, a stringent enough checks and balances um, where if, if we see a play and we see that, you know, two guys have a different grade on it, we'll talk it out and, and look through and say, okay, well, this guy, you know, why did you think, you know, it was on the cornerback? Why did you think it was on the safety? And, and another, another important point to, to put out is we don't guess. So if, if we don't know, you know, what, happened on the play and and we think that you know we really there's really no way to tell and and honestly most of the time you can tell you know who is at fault but most of the time uh, but if there's those few times where you can't tell we're not going to kill a guy with his grade um because we don't know you know what coverage they were supposed to be in and i think that's a i think that's a good point that pete makes sometimes you you get the feeling when you follow sports and nfl specifically that 
you have to be a player, be a coach or something to really understand the game. But these are guys that do their homework. And uh, that's why we use uh, Pete's site all the time, profootballfocus.com. Uh, Pete, thank you for coming on. One last question. And I'm, you know, I'm just curious. I like to ask other human beings this question. Yeah. Will Wes eat his softball pants? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm firmly, I firmly, firmly believe that he will not. Uh, ah. I don't, I don't. See, Wes Pete. and Pete. Now in the same tree together. Well, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't buy the. the you know, we're not going to start Manziel. I think they're going to start. Honestly, I think we're also going to see Blake Bortles up out there starting by you know week two, week three. You know, it's. Um, okay. I think taking these guys so high, and I think also quarterbacks are more NFL ready than they have been in the past. Sitting a guy who you invested so much in. Um, for for a year or however many weeks they're planning on doing it, I, I just don't buy it. Well, Pete doesn't think Chris will eat his softball pants, but I have noticed a little change as we're heading to week one of the preseason that even Chris Wesseling seems to start being accepting his role that he will be eating mm. some softball pants. They exist and they will be eaten. That was said that is taken by out of Chris Wesseling. <laughs> he was talking about his softball pants. Last, Play that again. Last show. They exist, and they will be eaten. <laughs> that is taken way out of context. I now feel like uh, how athletes feel when reporters take their quotes out of context. <laughs> it's uh, a quote. It's a fact. All right. Pete, thank you very much for coming on. You can follow Pete at, at PFF underscore Pete. Uh, great follow and a great football site. Thanks, man. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It was a pleasure. There you go, Wes. I feel like you did, as uh, TD remarked on IM during that, you did not back down. You had points you were going to make, and you can see why I'm conflicted. Though they he, they give very valuable information. They it's based off film watching, and nobody watches more film than they do. But they do ridiculous stuff like like Ryan Ryan Taylorhill ahead of Big Ben and Andrew Luck when it's just absolutely a farce. I mean, it ends up being a farce of a grade. Well, there's so much value in them watching every single snap. It they have such good information from that. I really like. The I think it's called the refocus every week. They have just takeaways from watching. To me, that's the best value you have is in the written word. Yep. And they, and they the see world, things, not the numbers. I'm the saying. world of football analysis is, is a much more enlightened place because of pro football focus. I mean, I do want to make that point implicitly. All right. Well, that's it for Friday's edition of the Around the League podcast. We will be back next week with three more shows. Uh, until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off. For the Sizzler, the Mailman, the Boss, and TD behind the glass. And why don't we uh, play it out with Sessler finishing up his list right, of we Dallas right. Cowboys defense commentary. It's 50 terms of why they yeah, are. Yeah, where are we at are, right now? We are at 23. 50? I feel like it's 500. Well, All right, go ahead, Mark. It a tad long. Here we go. Every horrible ex-girlfriend embodied in a loose 4-3 scheme. <laughs> Sterile. A wasteland of ideas. The bottom of the food chain. I'm going to go back to the food chain. Uh, the opposite of human attraction. Dead leaves. A corpse. Yeah, I'm checking out too, guys. A wreckage. Scattered parts. <laughs> fat-faced. Never sexy. Intellectually suspect. Untraveled. Pockmarked. Soiled. I'm, I'm going to go get some lunch. Swirling into a pit. Level below human. Pistol. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.